0: Welcome back to another episode of the Pandemic Job Hunt. This podcast aims to break down key techniques and to uncover the industry secrets to help you stand out in getting a job during this once in a lifetime pandemic we are living in. And I am your host, Andrew Barry. In this episode, I sit down with Dean Kulawira. He's a job searching coach based out of Toronto, Canada, with a background in recruiting for an agency. We covered a lot of topics, from optimizing your resume, building your personal brand, and how to best connect with a recruiter. Dean had a lot of practical and easily implementable advice for the job seeker, so please tune in. Hi, Dean. How are you?
1: Hey, hey. How's it going, Andrew? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, How about yourself? How's everything?
0: I'm good. I'm very stoked. Uh Van Vleet just signed the 85 million dollar contract with the Toronto Raptors over the weekend and I I'm so happy he was retained. Uh I'm probably uh his biggest fan and sh- is probably my favorite uh player. It's sad to see Ibaka go, but uh, uh it's good to see that part of the core team is still there. Uh but yeah, enough. How about are you Raptors fan by any chance? No, I you know what? I haven't had the chance to really keep up on my sports, so so I
1: can't say I'm I'm up to date on what's going on. So what have you been up to lately, Dean? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, if we're talking not work related, I mean, just this weekend, I, I finally switched over to my winter tires. So I was a last minute okay. kind of a guy with that. Um, so uh, you know, just just not not much of a, vin- a winter person myself. I'm more of a summer mm-hmm. uh, kind of a guy. So uh, just kind of getting used to the fact that you know we're 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 in the snow season right
0: now. Mm-hmm. We are we're definitely in the snow. I think over the weekend it was like um, intense snow on yeah, Sunday. There was. Yeah, it was all, and it was very beautiful to see. I played Christmas music in my house. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So, tell me a little bit about uh, your IT career coach uh, business you have, and how has that transitioned into the pandemic world from pre-pandemic
1: yeah, sure, sure thing. So so my background is uh, just to give you some background. so I, I come from an IT recruitment background, so uh, I probably have a, around eight plus years of experience working in in recruitment specifically for the IT space. Mm-hmm. So within IT, you know I've recruited for uh, primarily in the staffing agency uh, side of things. So mm-hmm. uh, what that means is I, I was able to recruit on on a multitude of different uh, you know tech related positions in various types of organizations, uh, ranging from startups all the way to large size, you know huge mm-hmm. companies as well. And uh, all those years of experience, you know, when, when you're interviewing and 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 de- dealing with so many recruitment cycles over the years, uh, you get to see a lot of patterns, a lot of things that people mm-hmm. do really well and really great. Uh, certain areas that I'll, obviously people could could use some improvement on in terms of their their job search and their and their interviewing skills and all that stuff. So uh, during the pandemic, of course, you know, re- especially right now, there's a huge demand for for uh, people in need of uh, of that assistance. In handling their job search and, and and conducting their their interview cycles and and how they're job searching in a more effective manner. So uh, that's why I felt and and you know I started my my coaching business uh, pretty much at the onset of this pandemic uh, because I did see a real need for uh, again this knowledge and, and these strategies to be put into play for mm-hmm. for many people. Uh, so utilizing all those years of experience working in recruitment, that's 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 what I bring to the table uh, through my business and uh, through coaching people through their job search.
0: So do you think there is a new normal in applying for jobs and interviewing for jobs in the uh, pandemic world versus the pre-pandemic world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's such a great question, right? And it's such a key question. And, and so, you know, a few points come to mind, right? So number one in terms of the new normal is definitely there's more, way more people applying online mm-hmm. than there were pre-COVID, right? Now, just yeah. to share some some brief stats with, with everyone uh, Pre-COVID, on average, uh, it's it stated that, you know, there's roughly around 250 applications for every job posting that's that, you know, uh, an organization or a- agency posted. So basically, on average, 250
0: mm-hmm. applications.
1: Is that in Canada uh,
0: or the U.S.?
1: Uh, just in general, like uh, in okay. North America. Okay. Right. So, so that's the average before, you know, pre-COVID. Now, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any stats in relation to what's going on right now, but it's, it's way more right now. Like I, I just yeah. earlier today, I saw I, someone in my network actually posted some screenshots of some of the jobs that they're applying for, where there's like two thousand, three thousand yeah. 3,000 other applications.
0: I've, right? I've noticed on LinkedIn, every time a job posting is up, within a day or two days it hits above 500 applicants yeah. and you don't even know how many actual applicants applied through LinkedIn. It just, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. The competition is stiffer uh, and you really have to think outside the box when it comes to um, applying for jobs. So how, how would a candidate try to stand out amongst um, other applicants? Let's focus this question in the tech space
1: yeah yeah sure so so andrew if i can just uh quickly finish uh, you know the other aspects that i i i observed regarding the new normal uh, because i want to make sure your viewers uh get an understanding of that so so obviously as you mentioned there's a lot of uh, you know higher levels of competition and the other mm-hmm. aspect is video interviews right video interviews are are definitely the new normal especially now in in any recruitment cycle that that you as a candidate are going to be involved in uh the handshake is pretty much on hold right now no more mm-hmm. handshakes no more meeting people in person Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, video interviews is is basically the platform being used where, where you gotta, as a candidate, sell yourself over the video. So that, that's another aspect of the new normal, right? And mm-hmm. the other the other aspect is that now because there's, there's such an abundance of talent on the market, mm-hmm. uh, companies are in a position where they get to be more picky, right? Where, whereas, you know, a year ago, if we had this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, it was a situation where candidates might have multiple offers on the table. And you know, it was it was the, the candidates who were more pickier, right? Yeah. They were in a position yeah. where they were considering multiple opportunities. But now it's like the, those tra- tables have kind of turned, and, and companies yeah. are more discerning regarding who they want to move ahead with or not. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're in a position where they can be more pickier. So it's it's the new normal from that standpoint. Is hey, you gotta you gotta sharpen up your interviewing skills, mm-hmm. and your ability to really communicate your value as as a uh, as a candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, now moving on to you, I know you were asking about how can how can tech candidates really stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a couple of things uh, in regards to standing out. Right, number one is it's it's extremely important right now, especially with with these high levels of competition. To really take the effort in customizing your resume for the positions, positions you're applying for. Uh, now, coming, you know, as someone myself come, coming from a recruitment background, what this means is uh keep in mind that recruiters who will be 90% of the time the, the, the first group of people mm-hmm. to look at your resume, uh, they're very keyword-driven, right? So you gotta make sure that you have the right keywords associated with your field or with your skill set or mm-hmm. with your, your your domain of expertise. Uh, really laid out on your resume. And you got to make sure that your resume is customized for the positions that you're applying for. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the second thing is optimizing your, your LinkedIn profile. This is another way uh, you know you can really make yourself stand out. If you have a compelling profile, it's optimized for uh, for being found on LinkedIn. You got your your search engine optimization stuff in check on, on your LinkedIn profile. And again, making sure that your LinkedIn profile is keyword rich, because again, recruiters
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, are primarily searching for you based on, on keywords and, and certain skill sets that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right now, now, the third Avenue that, that, you know, all, your viewers should, uh, should also uh, make note of is while it's important to, to, to apply online effe- efficiently and effectively, mm-hmm. you also don't want to depend solely on applying online and, and solely depending on your resume and those online applications. Mm-hmm. So, what you need to be doing is really thinking about, hey, what are the what other channels can I be using to get mm-hmm. myself in front of recruiters, in front of hiring managers, in front of uh, decision makers, mm-hmm. and people that that are that are looking for for someone such as yourself uh, you know during these times. And then the final thing in terms of standing out is building a strong brand, right? Uh, what are you doing to build your brand online on linkedin? what what's uh, How are you establishing yourself and positioning yourself as a thought leader in your space? Because that ultimately, especially if you're using LinkedIn, that's how you're you're gonna most effectively use LinkedIn. If you're able to position yourself as someone that's that's you know mm-hmm. really standing out there, really positioning themselves as an expert.
0: So you mentioned four key factors here. One is you really want to build your resume that is uh, geared towards the job uh, app- application that you you want to target. Yeah. You want to optimize your LinkedIn. Ah, uh, you also want to think outside of the box versus the traditional. Just apply it to every single job you see on LinkedIn or Glassdoor or Indeed or whatever. And finally, you mentioned ah uh, building your brand. How? Let's dissect each one a little bit here. Sure, sure. Uh, let's let's talk about the resume uh, aspect. Uh, I know different countries have different standards. Uh, let's talk specifically in say Toronto and and Canada. How? Should someone structure their resume for someone who doesn't have that much uh, work experience? Say you are a recent grad, you graduate into a time where unemployment is quite high, uh, you know, the job market hasn't fully recovered uh, to pre-pandemic levels. What can you do to help you stand out, especially with so many jobs where they ask you for two to three year experience and they're all entry level jobs? What could you do as a recent grad trying and like hone your resume here?
1: Yeah, so so great question, right? and and I hear this from a lot of new graduates myself. So, look, if you're a new graduate and, and this is you know one of the one of the I think greatest hurdles faced by new graduates is this is this mm-hmm. mental belief that they don't have professional work experience. And yeah, maybe it's true you don't have professional work experience. But guess what? You folks have been have been, uh, you know, taking Mm -hmm. courses in college. You've you've been you've been doing academic projects Mm -hmm. that you can use as leverage. Right. Because for the most part, whether whether you're we're talking colleges or universities, you have been involved in projects where you were working individually or maybe as a team Mm -hmm. uh, whereby you were actually doing what what people typically in your field would be doing. Mm -hmm. So don't ignore those projects. Right. List those on your resumes, because these are these are things that you can use to showcase your knowledge. Your ability, your hands-on ability, your and your ability to apply what you have been learning. Mm-hmm. So utilize that and use that as leverage, and don't, and don't ignore that on your resume. Right, this is a mistake a lot of people make. Uh, you know, and, and I hear this from new grads all the time. Hey, Dean, I don't have any experience. Well, what about your academic projects? Right, have you done any academic projects, especially in the tech space? You know, the uh, you know, th- th- there's so many. Uh, projects that that people you know studying tech or whatever field within it uh completing their in their program so you got to use those you got to utilize those and highlight those on your resume if you do not have that Mm -hmm. professional experience uh now the other thing i wanted to mention Mm -hmm. go ahead yeah okay yeah so and the other the other aspect of that is uh you also can create your own portfolio of of Mm -hmm. examples of your work right because uh you you want to show your academic stuff, but then you can also start creating your own portfolio, building out your own portfolio where you can say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is uh, and and it demonstrates your initiative uh, and your commitment to your field as well. So start creating your own portfolio, which you can also show as experience.
0: I agree. That portfolio aspect is so important in tech, especially if it's like a UX design, you got to show your creativity oh, yeah. skills and your diverse, diverse uh, approach to different problems in data science. If you are a recent grad, and you don't have much data science experience, building a data science portfolio is very important. And it's also true for web dev. Or actually, many, te- uh, many tech uh, skills where developing a portfolio is very easy. Yeah. And speaking back to resume, I read or heard of a statistic where recruiters only look through resume within the first five, 10 seconds before they go to the other, especially now where uh, recruiters are bombarded with... Um, tons and tons of resumes what should be the very first thing on the very top of the resume that uh, someone uh, should do
1: yeah so so this is a great point because because i like to think of uh, you know page one of your resume is like prime time real estate So mm-hmm. you got to make sure that page one really stands out right so page one first and foremost you got to have your name right at the top you got to have uh, you know, a professional email address, right? N- not not uh, you know, mm-hmm. skaterboy gmail.com oh, or something like that. Uh, preferably your first name, your last name, something like that. You gotta have your phone number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do not need to put your full address, but but you know, put your city if at all possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wanna you wanna basically talk about uh, you know what you bring to the table, right? Uh, so instead of talking about yeah, I mean, it's definitely important to mention what you have and your skill set, mm-hmm. your experience, all that but you got to talk about what kind of ROI you can bring to the table for for organizations or for, what do you mean by
0: by that uh, can you give me an example
1: yeah like what kind of what kind of problems you can solve right so so maybe you can put in a new graduate um, you know with a specialization in software development able mm-hmm. to perform or, or accomplish xyz types of solutions for for whatever applications
0: is this uh like a blurb that you put at the very top of your yeah, resume
1: yeah, so that's where the, um, so I'm talking about the professional summary area.
0: right? Yeah, professional summary. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so you want to you want to talk about what you can do for organizations and what you can accomplish mm-hmm. for them, right? Now, beneath that, you should there should always be a section detailing your your specific skills, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you're in tech, you want to talk about your technical skills, right? Mm-hmm. So, so these are you know uh, the programming languages you're aware of, mm-hmm. um, you know software you've used, uh, types of industries you you probably uh, worked on. And all that, all that stuff. Because now the reason why this section is important is because again, recruiters are are highly keyword driven. Mm. Going to be looking for keywords, right? Uh, no recruiter is going to be looking for soft skills and all that stuff. I mean, if you want to write down, you, you know, ent- uh, your enthusiastic and all that stuff, that's great. But they will primarily be looking for hard skills and actual technical skills. How,
0: how did it look for keywords? This is like a command F, Control F say sql yeah or yeah they just eyeball, eyeball it you know
1: yeah yeah so so on the resume itself like like if it's on if it's on there uh, you know if they, if they open the file on their on their computer mm-hmm. or whatnot yeah it's going to be control f
0: and they're going to look mm-hmm. for those key skill sets on your resume right so you mentioned professional summary how important is that because i've 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 heard about the professional summary i used to put it on and i've taken it off my resume uh, could you expand a little bit more on the importance of it? Because uh, I've had a mixed uh, reaction to this professional summary.
1: Right, right, yeah. So, so I, I would advise definitely. I mean, the professional summary is a good area to have area to have on your resume, mm-hmm. because that's where you pretty much put in your value proposition. Like, what again, what mm-hmm. you bring to the table, uh, what you can deliver on, what kind of mm-hmm. solutions you can potentially provide. And so, this is the part you can use to really capture that initial attention. Right mm-hmm. um, so I, w- I would say, yeah, definitely that, that that part of the resume is definitely important. I would I mean, it's you might as well have it on in, in any mm-hmm. case, like I, I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, you know what, I'm gonna pass over this resume because they had a professional summary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know there there probably might be people there that, that might pass over the resume simply because they mm-hmm. didn't really see anything that stood out that was mm-hmm. personalized uh, to the individual. So
0: right? let's move on from this resume and talk about LinkedIn and building your own personal brand. Yeah, sure. Are there any tools that uh, a job applicant should use to help brush up their LinkedIn uh, bio or building their brand? And what do you mean by building their brand?
1: Yeah, sure. So, do you want me to talk about the bio part or the brand part first?
0: Let's talk about LinkedIn and the bio and whatever, whatever tools, then we can move on to the brand. Okay,
1: sure. All right. So, so in terms of the LinkedIn, uh, you know, the LinkedIn profile summary. I mean, it, it's pre- it's pretty much very similar to your resume, right now. Uh, the thing with LinkedIn is you can't, whereas on your resume, you can customize your resume for specific position, positions you're applying for and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, your LinkedIn profile is pretty much, you know, one profile that you can use uh, in order to, to aim mm-hmm. for those positions or, or attract the attention of recruiters looking for someone with your skill set. So uh, before you even get into the LinkedIn profile, number one important thing that, that you need to do as a job seeker is decide what you're aiming for, right? You got to know what your target mm-hmm. is because with your LinkedIn profile, as I mentioned, you only get, you know, one profile. You can't customize it for for different types of positions. Mm -hmm. So that's how you got to, the first thing is know what your target is. What kind of positions are you aiming for? What kind of roles you're aiming for? Uh, Now, a mistake a lot of people do is they kind of spread themselves too thin and and position themselves as, you know, business analyst slash software developer slash database developer Mm -hmm. slash, you know, everything else. You don't want to do that because that communicates that you you, you might seem a little uncertain about which direction you want to go. And and uh, even even convey like maybe some uh, you know a certain degree of, of of lacking in in direction in terms of where you want to take your career, so mm-hmm. f- hone in on what you want. Then the second thing is based on that, that's how you got to pitch yourself uh, on your LinkedIn profile, right? So in your professional summary area, uh, the about section on on your LinkedIn profile, uh, that is pretty much very similar to the professional summary area of your uh, your resume. Mm-hmm. So this is where you got to put in your your uh, value proposition. This is the section to really capture attention. Uh, you want to mention, you know, if if you worked at some impressive companies, this is the part you might want to even name drop if you're allowed to do so, and and again mention mm-hmm. those technical skills uh, th- that that apply to you and your skill set. Uh, again, even on LinkedIn, recruiters are heavily keyword driven. They're going to be searching for you using uh, certain mm-hmm. terms related to your skill set, so you got to make sure that, mm-hmm. that that's mentioned in that section, right? And and same thing goes for your for your mm-hmm. positions and all that. You got to make sure that that it describes what you did, describes your accomplishments, what you achieved. And and also make sure it's keyword rich as well. So again, it increases your chances of getting, in, getting into the search results.
0: All right. So when it comes to your LinkedIn, you say we have to be extremely focused in terms of like the jobs you are applying for. So if I'm a data scientist, I would say data scientist is my headline and seeking position or data science uh, data scientist uh, thought leader in the AI um, industry then just have a bio that says your accomplishments in say the ai data science space and whatnot but how would you build your brand from there so you have your linkedin bio what do you mean by building your brand how could you yeah great great. is that by creating content is that by uh engaging with uh, online communities how would you go yeah about so great it?
1: question right so so definitely uh but, you know the first component is definitely you you want to and, and you know a lot of people might not be comfortable with with creating their own content first and foremost but uh you're mm-hmm. sitting in one of the most popular platforms folks with with uh, so many uh you know amazing people you can connect with uh, who are potentially decision makers or influencers at their companies that might be able to connect you with with the hiring team and all that stuff. So, first and foremost, are you engaging with your network's content, right? Because people post stuff all the time. Uh, you know, are you engaging mm-hmm. with it? Are you are you sharing your own thoughts? Are you are you liking their stuff? Are you commenting on their stuff? Are you using it as an as an opportunity for you to display your own knowledge as well, right? Uh, so that mm-hmm. that's one of the avenues you got to be making use of as you're building your brand. If you want to get warmed up, right, in, into this whole content creation thing. Now, the second part, of course, is you gotta you gotta start creating your own content as well. Uh, all of you tuning in are experts in your own space, right? Whatever that is within within tech, right? Maybe you're a data analyst, maybe you're you're in data science, maybe you're you're a developer, maybe you're a business analyst. Whatever it is, uh, you you can very easily talk about things and challenges and and, and accomplishments that you've done, mm-hmm. problems you overcome, and post about that on LinkedIn. Assuming you don't you don't violate any mm-hmm. non disclosure agreements and all that, you don't want to do that. Yeah. But by doing that, you're attracting the attention of, of, of your peers in your industry. Because if you're talking about stuff that they also, you know, undergo in, in their respective fields, challenges that they mm-hmm. face, you know, chances are people are going to start engaging with your stuff. Uh, you know, they're gonna start commenting. You you get to share your own thoughts and ideas with them. And ultimately you mm-hmm. grow such a following that, that you're 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 well known. You're you're seen as a thought leader, as someone that knows their stuff, someone that stands mm-hmm. out in their space. So, uh, so you know, that's how you kind of start building out your brand and in terms of putting out content, right?
0: I always uh, enjoyed uh, folks when they were posting on LinkedIn trying to create unique, engaging content that's not like um, uh, a hidden, humble brag or hidden self brag. I, I, I'm not a big yeah. fan when people post, hey, I just completed this course on Udemy. Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, I would like it when people say, uh, I completed this course. These are the top three things I learned and why you should take this course. Adding a little bit more uh, oomph to your message, I think, adds a lot more engagement and uh, showcases uh, your authenticity a little bit more. And I think authenticity is a very hard thing to achieve, especially since we're all on the digital yeah. space. Uh, you're just typing on your screen and you're posting and seeing how someone reacts to it. Um, I think it's very important to try to showcase some authenticity. It is also important to also not just always post about the most wonderful aspect of your uh, or, or, or such a positive post all the time. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show your disappointment. And It's okay to showcase all the different aspects of your professional journey. And I think there's one person I saw on LinkedIn, a previous guest. She mentioned uh, she lost her job uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, and she was applying to hundreds and hundreds of uh, jobs online and got rejected, and she shared that pain on LinkedIn, and it got so much engagement, and that allowed her to also connect with more people, and from that post, I was able to connect with her, and she was on my episode, and we just talked about her journey, and I think it's also great to showcase your vulnerability, but not just LinkedIn. There's one other platform I've, I've started noticing and started using a lot more is Twitter. I find Twitter to be a great resource to connect with people, to gain ideas and also just to be inspired, especially for uh, someone who's looking to get a job in technology. All the tech thought leaders are on Twitter. Um, VC tech, uh, VC tech Twitter is huge and that's a good place to kind of uh, be aware of some of the exciting technology, some exciting companies going about and, um, uh, a good way to connect with someone who is in that specific company. What are your thoughts on Twitter and are recruiters on Twitter? Yeah. So,
1: so I, I was actually about to say like Twitter is one of those platforms that I post on, but I haven't really figured out myself. So I might have to pick your brain about Twitter. Uh, so, I mean, Twitter mm-hmm. is a platform that, that, yeah, I mean, I, I think recruiters do use it here and there. There are some recruiters that, that mm-hmm. use it very successfully. I personally have not had much success myself on Twitter, so I can't really speak about Twitter. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. what I can speak about is LinkedIn, however, you know, LinkedIn is a primary platform that I've used, uh, that has gotten me a lot of, uh, you know, ability to connect with a lot of talent, but, but yeah, Twitter, I think mm-hmm. you're probably the, 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 guy to talk about Twitter. Uh, I can't, I can't really say I've seen much success myself on Twitter.
0: Well, uh, just, uh, from my recent use of Twitter in the past, uh, year or so, um, I've finally created. Uh, at least they finally figured me out the Twitter algorithm, what I like to consume. Um, I follow a lot of tech Twitter guys. I follow uh, thought leaders. Mm -hmm. I follow people in the industry from not just like the executive management, but also uh, middle managers and whatnot. And just to see what they're tweeting about. And usually I feel there's a lot more authenticity in the Twitter tweets, as well as it's a good information pipeline to be, to understand what's going on in 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 tech, and to like gain new knowledge, as well as to find and identify key people in the different tech space. And I think it's true for the Silicon Valley um, uh, tech uh, community as well as the Toronto tech community. There's a lot of folks uh, on there on Twitter discussing what they're working on, discussing um, discussing the new opportunities. And I had uh, someone tell me that Twitter is a resume for your thoughts. So uh, it's, it's like a that. place where you can be a lot more authentic than, than uh, LinkedIn and you're able to, to kind of like tweet your thoughts in a professional manner, of course. So if you are a data scientist, start tweeting about uh, some of the latest data science technologies, uh, some of your thoughts on certain technologies and have some hashtags. And there's people who are active there to pick you up and you can have a conversation on Twitter. But LinkedIn is also equally powerful. The algorithm on LinkedIn is very, very powerful. Uh, when someone likes it, that content goes across their whole network and there's a lot of knock-on effects on on linkedin i think linkedin is a good platform and probably easier platform to go viral than uh, some of the other platforms out there so speaking of um looking outside of your own network uh how what, what are some job hunting strategies that you should do more uh, than just uh, straight up applying on the job board? Is it, say, reach out to a recruiter uh, or reach out to someone in the company to get a referral? Uh, what are some alternative strategies that you find that's very successful?
1: Yeah, so so I'm kind of biased to this method, but, uh, but obviously, you know, coming from a staffing agency background, so you definitely want to be connecting with staffing mm-hmm. agencies, right? Now, that doesn't mean every IT recruiter out there is in a position to help you. Ah, uh, because not all IT recruiters might be recruiting frequently on your skill set. So, uh, what you folks have to do is, for those of you listening in, is you gotta you gotta do your research on on first and foremost, uh, focus your 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 you know those those relationships you want to build with IT recruiters. Now,
0: within IT, IT recruiters like. Um- specifically agencies or also yeah in so, so as
1: i was saying I'm, I'm i'm focusing on staffing agencies because with, i'm from the staffing okay. agency uh, side of things so you want to focus in on on it recruiters uh now within it recruiters of course not all it recruiters might be recruiting on your skill set so this is where you got to do some research you know mm-hmm. identify agencies that you can potentially work with uh you know single out a couple of recruiters you can actually research on linkedin and you want to look at the typical mm-hmm. posts that they usually make in terms of what positions they recruit on. Uh, because everyone knows recruiters are always posting about positions that they're recruiting on actively. So you mm-hmm. want to take a look at what mm-hmm. you know, whether the, the the recruiter you're researching has a history of recruiting for your skill set. Uh, and that'll allow you to mm-hmm. give an idea of, hey, you know what, there's probably a probably high chance that this individual is going to be recruiting for my skill set right now, or if not, in the near future. Mm-hmm. So that's that's gonna allow you to make better use of your time when you're when you're trying to build those relationships, message recruiters, follow up with them. And it'll help you decide, hey, which mm-hmm. ones should I be following up with? Which ones should I be actually reaching out to? And which ones would it not make sense for me to kind of go after and, and build those relationships? So that, that's definitely something you want to do. Now, the other avenue is highly recommend you you, you participate in, in uh, virtual events uh, related to your space, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, meetup.com is one of the most popular websites for, for the, the going ons in the tech industry. So you want to join groups that allow you to potentially meet actual hiring managers, right? Actual decision makers. Or peers uh, at the organizations you might be interested in, or or, or that you'd want to work on, work in, right? So this is another avenue you got to use to to build those relationships and be seen in your industry, and build that trust, right? You don't want to go right into saying, hey, you know, I'm on the market, can you help me out, blah blah blah. That's not the way you want to build those your relationships, at least uh, you know at those meetups. Connect on something you have in common, right? If you're in data analytics, you might want to uh, focus the discussion on that eventually, and you know, build that trust build that connection. And then of course you go into talking about career opportunities and all that stuff.
0: Speaking of like, uh, connecting with recruiters, um, what is the best way to approach a recruiter? And I've never approached a recruiter before. Um, how would I go about it versus, cause I know approaching someone who is a hiring manager or a VP in a small startup in their specific department have different approaches and different, there's different techniques. Recruiters, when they, they they get a lot inbound message from tons and tons of people, how could you get across them, and how do you stand out amongst the other uh, folks trying to get the recruiters? Uh, yeah, attention? yeah.
1: So so keep in mind, recruiting is a very it's a highly specialized uh, role. It's a highly specialized mm-hmm. skill set. The only thing recruiters do all day long is 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 find people, talk to people, and you know through email, through LinkedIn messaging, through phone calls. That that's all recruiters do all day long. So when you're approaching recruiters, that's why you might find a lot of you who are approaching with, uh, you know, hey, how's it going or how's your day or, and, and, you know, small talk stuff, you'll find that, that recruiters mm-hmm. might not respond to you because, again, it's a very highly specialized skill set. All they're doing is finding people for the companies they're recruiting on. So with recruiters, you got to take a more mm-hmm. direct approach. you got to identify first and foremost, is this recruiter looking for someone such as myself? And you want to go right into your pitch and talk about, you know, who you are, mm-hmm. what what your skill set is, what kind of projects you worked on. Because you want to you want them to you want to capture their attention by positioning yourself as someone that that they might want to be interested in having a conversation with uh, that they can present to their clients or if it's a corporate recruiter to their organization. So uh, it's a highly specialized skill set. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you got to get straight to the point as soon as possible and capture their attention by by mm-hmm. positioning yourself as potential talent that they might want to present.
0: Mm-hmm. so i've 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 talked to I think a lot of people are sometimes a little bit afraid of approaching the recruiter, uh, especially those who might not have a lot of professional experience and whatnot, and some of these recruiters are targeting folks who have a few years of experience so they can get high-quality candidates uh, that are proven uh, to their clients. And sometimes uh, some folks, uh, I've talked to them, they prefer reaching out to the hiring manager or like I mentioned earlier, a VP of a specific, particular domain in a company, they would come up to them and be like, and they'll give them a warm message and say, hey, I'm really passionate about uh, this role. Uh, I am curious about how you got to your position. Uh, I want to be you in five to 10 years. Uh, and start to have this building a relationship through that uh, by networking their way into a job versus uh, directly applying to a recruiter. It, this is this is more of a long game approach where you're networking with key decision makers, key individuals, and hopefully uh, they'll remember you. And hopefully that in, in down the line, a year or two, it will help you expand your network. And if you need to get a job, you you get you'll get that job from that referral, and whatnot. What do you think of that? Yeah,
1: approach? totally. I mean, I mean, look, especially if you're a new graduate, right? If you're if you're someone who's new, newly graduated, uh, take advantage of that. I mean, I mean, make use of that while you can, because people are going to be way more sympathetic to the fact that you're a new graduate. Because, hey, everyone's mm-hmm. been a new grad at some point in their lives and people are more sympathetic to you. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be more open to having a conversation with you and mentor you and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, again, take advantage of that as much as you can while you still can. Right. Uh, so definitely, definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. And again, when you're approaching directors or VPs or C-level executives, these are actual decision makers. Mm-hmm. So you want to go straight to the source as much as possible, uh, especially at mm-hmm. the early stages. Now, just a quick caveat, though, uh, if you are actively in, a, in, a, in, in in an interview cycle, right, and you're being represented by a recruiter mm-hmm. or your primary point of contact has been established at the recruiter, in that scenario, it might be a bad idea mm-hmm. to bypass them and go, go directly and speak to the, to the hiring manager or the hiring team. That you already have an established mm-hmm. relationship in place, and there's the, the process is already underway. But if, if like Andrew's saying, okay. you're at the application stage, you don't know anyone, you're just trying to connect with people, absolutely go, go directly to the mm-hmm. source, folks. Uh, you want to you connect directly mm-hmm. with the decision maker and with the people making the actual decisions,
0: mm-hmm. okay? So, uh, I guess there's a two prong approach. Uh, if you're already in a recruiter, if you're already talking to a recruiter, keep with that, uh, but at the same time, actively. Look for hiring managers, key decision makers in the company, and also try to go for for yeah. that route. So, um, you've already mentioned with recruiters, especially at staffing agencies, these recruiters have highly specialized, I guess, fields that they're hiring for. And you mentioned that we have to um, we have to. Uh, Create a create a message that targets your specific jobs you're looking for. Highlights the specific skills that you have, then highlights the specific experience slash projects you're working on, so they have a better idea of like who you are, and uh, and what uh, what you can yeah. do. So, so what are Once you've established a connection with a recruiter and you've had this conversation going and I say like I'm talking to you and you are a tech recruiter, I want to be in tech. What are some good questions to ask uh, to a recruiter uh, from a staffing agency?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's a great point, right? So when when you, when you, you know, you have your messaging thing, folks, you got to mm-hmm. aim to get on a phone call or on a Zoom call with the recruiter, right? That should be the end goal. And yeah, when you're on this phone call, you gotta, you you gotta, first of all, inquire about what their client is looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, going back to what I said before, right? Remember, key, recruiters are very much keyword driven. They're going to be listening for keywords mm-hmm. for certain skills that they're currently recruiting on. So before you start talking about all your experience, which, which I'm sure is impressive and all that stuff, mm-hmm. You want to focus on those things that are going to capture the recruiter's attention. So before, before you know, they're, they're probably going to say, hey, hey, Andrew, can you run me through your resume or can you tell me about yourself and stuff like that? Before you go ahead and do that, you got to say, hey, Dean, absolutely, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, now, before we get to that, what exactly is your client looking for at this time and what are they looking for in an ideal candidate? So I make sure I'm telling you about the most relevant stuff in, in regards to my experience. Right. So then then that's when the recruiter is going to let you know, okay, all right, fair enough, Andrew. So I really like how, uh, well, it's not, not really like, but so my client's currently looking for someone with X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then Andrew knows, okay, he, he makes a mental note. Okay, for the remainder of the conversation, I got to focus on those relevant things that they ma- just mm-hmm. mentioned because that's what their client is looking for. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're asking this, folks up front as soon as possible so mm-hmm. you know exactly what you want to talk about because mm-hmm. you want to talk about the relevant stuff. That's the most important stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And. You know, I hope I'm not pushing here, but uh, how does one identify, uh, like for me as a job applicant, red flags in recruiting versus uh, some green flags? Because I have personally um, had some bad experiences with some uh, recruiters and some of the uh, processes, but I've had some fantastic experiences from this just very professional manner and professional attitude uh, that really helped me go through the process. And I really enjoyed working with them. Uh, what are some red flags and, and green flags you would you would say uh, to look for in recruiting?
1: Yeah, so this is this is such a great question because you know I I see it all the time, right? People are, are really frustrated with some of the things that recruitment recruitment agencies, unfortunately, uh, specifically mm-hmm. are doing. So I would say you know there's so many red flags, but look, if I could narrow it down to like it's like something very abstract and high level, folks, if you mm-hmm. find the agencies really, uh, you know, kind of holding their cards ho- close to their chest. Mm-hmm. You feel like they're they're giving like the minimal amount of information to you so you can make a, a well-informed decision. And they're asking so much from you in exchange for that, despite the fact that they're not sharing much information, they're not helping you out, they're not providing you with details and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That to me is is you know that th- I would consider that a red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Uh because why would they be so I mean, how can they expect, how could the agency expect you as a candidate to make a well-informed decision if they're holding all their cards close mm-hmm. to their chest and they're not being transparent, but yet they want transparency from you. Because mm-hmm. it, it ha- there has to be a two-way exchange, right? Yeah. So to me, that w- I mean, that in itself, uh, at, at least at a very high level, I mean, that that's a major red flag, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And and uh, you know, it comes down to that. This this uh, you know, see uh, almost like a secretive kind of a. Yeah. Approach, a you want
0: to feel that uh, open flow of connection. You want to yeah, feel exactly. like they're warm and authentic, and you want to have that uh, easy flow versus uh, them just constantly asking you questions. Yeah. Exactly. So um, enough about recruiting. I had a guest on uh, earlier and she told me she went to a career coach to help her uh, work on her resume, uh, work on her attitude of approaching job applications. And I don't know very many people who have used a career coach. I haven't reached a stage in my life where I've uh, decided to use a career coach to help me. Could you... Give me some of the high level or key reasons why someone would want to uh, use a career coach and how a career coach can help them through their job application or through their career journey,
1: yeah, totally. so so you know, I guess one of the major misconceptions a lot of people have in regards to their job searches that what a lot of people don't realize is the the skill set required to conduct an effective job search is totally different from your actual skill set in your profession.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I'm
1: saying is the the you know conducting a job search, Th- that's a totally different skill set, mm-hmm. uh, because it's very much—I mean, unless you're you're working in sales and stuff like that—you know—it's very much like a, a sales sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Right? The way you approach it, the way you got to stand out, the way you you, you handle your conversations, uh, and all that stuff. So, so what a career coach would do, or, or a job search coach would do, is uh, help you figure out, okay, what are you doing currently in your like, what's your current strategy, and then helping you enhance those skills required for handling your your your, your job search cycle. Right, so so again, it comes down to the job search process being uh, an entirely different skill set. Now, that doesn't mean everyone out there mm-hmm. needs a career coach or a job search coach, right? Some people might mm-hmm. be better able, might have a stronger understanding of this. But then there's a lot of people out there, and what I have is observed in tech is, uh, you know, a lot of people out there that don't see that distinction between uh, running their job search versus, you know, running their career. Which, by the way, their careers they run excellently, really mm-hmm. well, awesome job with that but the skill set required to find a job is is completely different so that's that's one of the, one of the major areas where where a career coach actually comes in and the career coach ad, acts as uh, pretty much you know just like the same way a sports coach would right uh, identifying the you know where where the weaknesses are helping you enhance and and mm-hmm. improve on those uh, identifying where where things can be strengthened in your job search where 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 are all the blocks and barriers occurring mm-hmm. is it your resume is it how you're handling your pre-screens is it how you're positioning yourself mm-hmm. So, all these various areas that that determine whether or not you're able to move ahead in a, in an interview cycle and implementing and executing on that in the most efficient manner.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dean. Um, my pleasure towards uh, we, we we covered a lot of topics here, and it was like really like rapid fire question answer here. Yeah, um, yeah. towards the end of my show, I always give uh, a minute for my guest to talk about whatever cause they want to promote. Or a brand that they're promoting, or something they're working on. So you have a minute, and the floor is yours. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate that, Andrew. Yeah.
1: So, so one thing I'm working on at the moment, uh, folks, in in regards to my my business as a, as a job search coach is, I'm working on a digital product that's actually gonna gonna be a virtual training platform that guides job seekers through conducting their job search from uh, from an online application standpoint. A lot of people they they struggle with uh, applying online, standing out. Uh, and and you know all those other various steps involved in applying online so i'm currently creating a digital product mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a virtual training platform where i'm going to be teaching you how to run through your job search and applying online efficiently from from all the way from your resume through to the submission stage mm-hmm. and some other avenues you can use to uh to position yourself for those positions and and uh, increase your chances of getting the attention of hiring teams recruiters and organizations so uh, you know, I guess stay in touch with me. Feel free to follow me, and and uh, you know uh, my product will be coming out soon. And I hope to help all of you folks out there uh, with that uh, product, which I'm really excited about.
0: And to my listeners, all the information will be in the description. Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks so much, Andrew. Had I had a great time. This is the end of the show. Thank you for tuning into the Pandemic Job Hunt Podcast. As always, I would love to get feedback, so don't hesitate to get in touch through my Twitter at Andrew. H. N. Berry or LinkedIn.